Chapter 12 The Training of Peter Pan Sora, Carrie, Tinkerbell, and Max were waiting in silence in the Lost Boys' camp on a wooden platform waiting for Peter Pan to arrive. The silence was broken abruptly when a man with brown hair, wearing a white shirt, red suspenders, black bow tie, and dinner jacket, broke through the center of the platform wrapped in vines. Get me, Get me down! He yelled. I believe! Sora, Kyrie, and Tink were laughing at him while Max rubbed his head, puzzled. T Tinkerbell leapt up into the sky, drawing her dagger. Lost boys! Lost boys! Wake up! She yelled, cutting the vine. Peter fell back down through the hole he made, and Tink went around to the, each of the lost boys, waking them, yelling, Pan's back! She cut one... She cut one lost boy's pillow. A little one excited, exited his house, joining in the yelling, and soon everyone was leaving his dwelling to see Peter Pan. Max turned to Sora and Kyrie, still confused. That guy is Peter Pan? he asked. Sora nodded his head, filling Max in. And we have three days to make him remember himself, Kyrie said, And when Sora finished explaining how he could be Peter Pan. Max nodded his head and turned to see the Lost Boys cutting Peter Pan out of the vines that he was freshly tangled in. All of them became surprised when Peter rose in front of them and then stood higher on a few rocks. That ain't Peter Pan, a boy with sleek black hair wearing a tartan blue tweed shirt said. He's old, a colored boy with a gray cap said. He's fat, a boy with curly black hair commented. Not so fat to me, an obese kid mentioned. He's a fat old, he's an old fat grandpa man, the boy with curly black hair said. They all whipped their heads around as they heard a horn blowing. A teenage boy with red and black mullets was on a parasail on wheels and was craning his way down a roller coaster track. Rufio, Rufio, the lost boys chanted. Rufio! Rufio left off the coaster and onto a suspended swing. He began swinging above the crowd as Peter commented to himself to how dangerous that was. Rufio let out, let it go of the swing and landed right in front of Peter, smiling. That is enough! Peter roared. Rufio smirked and drew a brown sword with a coconut hilt. Okay, okay mister. Uh, sorry. Peter said nervously, backing away in Rufio's wake. The show's over now. You put that thing away. Put it down before you poke somebody's eye out. Rufio glanced at the lost boys around him, all of them jeering him on. You're not even old enough to shave. Peter continued. What are you doing with a sword? Flying around? This This is an insurance nightmare. What is this, some sort of Lord of the Flies preschool? Where are your parents? Peter desperately asked the lost boys. Who's in charge here? The laughing and jeering stopped as all fingers pointed to Rufio, who bowed slightly. No. Peter said, shaking his head. No. Sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> Mr. Skunkhead with too much moose. You are just a punk kid. I want to speak to a grown-up. He yelled, turning his back on Rufio and the Lost Boys. All grown-ups are pirates, Rufio retorted. Peter turned around. Excuse me? He said. Rufio extended his arms. We kill pirates, he explained. Well, I'm not a pirate. Peter explained, annoyed. 
as it so happens, I am a lawyer. Sora, Max, and Kyrie chuckled. Same diff, Sora muttered. Rufio raised his sword. Kill the lawyer! He roared, the lost boys joining in, screaming his order, drawing their swords. I'm not that kind of lawyer. <laughs> Peter mumbled before running off. Sora instantly became anxious and drew his keyblade. Crap, he muttered. Flying off after Peter in a fruitless attempt to get ahead of the Lost Boys, it was nigh impossible for either himself or Kyrie to get ahead through flying, as Peter constantly ran under buildings or got himself driven away in different directions. And it was also impossible for Max to get ahead because he was stuck at the back of the pack. Eventually, all three were able to reach him, just as Rufio did. Rufio raised his sword and advanced upon the panting, defenseless Banning. Peter! The trio yelled, sword dashing as Rufio's blow was about to slice Peter's face in two. It met resistance with a resounding clang. Sword had blocked effortlessly with the oblivion. Touch a hair on Peter Pan's head, Sword growled, his voice full of malice, and you die. Rufio smirked at Sword before glancing around. His smirk slipped off his face when he saw four keyblades and a sword pointed at straight at his neck. Carrie and Namne were standing to his left, Oathkeeper and Alan's fire extended, while Max while Roxas and Max were to his right, Oathkeeper, Oblivion, and Max's sword, the defender, practically at his neck. The remainder of the Lost Boys were restrained from sticking the co from the company with their blades by Tink, who was explained to them why Peter Pan was back and how he was different from before. Rufio stared at Sora. You call this a fair fight? He asked. You call killing defenseless fathers fun? Sora retaliated. Rufio laughed at him before, but did not dare say yes. Give the number of weapons that were currently inches from running him through. Would you like to call off your friends here? He asked. A bead of sweat. For wait, I think that might have been pot pan. Or wait. No, it's still Rufio. All right. Okay. Would you like to call off your friends here? He asked, a bead of sweat appearing on his brow. Sora grimly nodded at his companions, and they lowered their weapons. Roxas and Namne vanishing. Rufio looked around here, looked around, bewildered. Hey, where'd they go? Sora and Kyrie smirked as they tapped their heads with their fingers. Rufio shrugged it off and drew a line in the dirt with the tip of his sword. You can't fly, fight, or crow, he announced to the Lost Boys, meeting Peter. So if any of you say that this here scug ain't Peter Pan, cross the line. Peter got up from his knees and quickly crossed the line to join Rufio. Sora sighed and raised his keyblade. Magnets, he muttered tiredly. Peter suddenly zipped it back across the line to his side. You're embarrassing us, Carrie scowled at him. In moments, every lost boy had went across the line as Sora, Carrie, Max, and Tink retreated to a safe distance behind the line. Every little, every boy except one little one, the boy approached Peter and began manipulating his face until he had a smile. Oh, there you are, Peter, he said. Several boy, immediately several boys crossed the line and examined him, reaching the same result. The company smiled at him, but Peter, the one with curly ginger hair, remembered, you've grown up. You promised to never grow old. His nose got really bi real big. The sleek-haired one said. Well, 
the one with curly black hair said. Welcome back to Neverland, Pan the Man. Don't listen to that stinking fairy, that brainless fungus, that weird dog, idiot munchkin, or that, that. Rufio appeared to be struggling for the right insult for Kyrie. Doll, he said triumphantly. Sora and Kyrie's eyes hardened exponentially towards Rufio as he finished his rant. I've got plans, Sword. I am, I'm the pan now. If you think he's going to take it from me, Rufio. Kyrie's eyes flashed and flared, pyrotechnics working deep within them as she stared daggers at Rufio. Did you just call my girlfriend Doll? Sora snarled, raising the oblivion. No one had ever called Kyrie Doll since Bob, and neither of them was fond of those incidents. He was about to charge Rufio in anger when Kyrie stayed him with her hand. No, Sora. No, Sora, she objected. He's mine. This time, I teach that punk a lesson. Rufio grinned widely as the poise parted, forgetting about Peter Pan for the moment. Sora inclined his head at Max. Five hundred money, says Kyrie stomps him in under twenty seconds, he muttered. Max raised his arm, watch poised. I have five hundred money on Kyrie to win in under twenty seconds, he announced like an auctioneer. Do I have any other takers? Instantly, the Lost Boys were in an uproar as they leapt at Max, all placing bets for Rufio to win at various times. Carrie turned her head to Sora. Am I a sideshow attraction now? She asked. Sora shook his head. No, your fight has become one, he explained. Kyrie raised an eyebrow at him, and Sora raised his arms in defense. Hey, my bet was just going to be against Max. It's his fault for becoming this. Okay, Max announced greedily. We have 500 money to say Kyrie wins in under 20 seconds. A total of 1,232 money saying Rufio wins. If Kyrie wins in over 20 seconds or Rufio wins in under one minute, dealer takes all. Tinkerbell gasped at Max. This whole scheme was just for you to take money? She asked. Max shrugged. Hey, a guy needs cash, right? Sora and Sora, Kyrie and Tink shook their heads while Rufio cracked his knuckles. So, the doll wants to fight the great Rufio, T Rufio taunted cockily, raising his sword at her. Kyrie turned around to face him, eyes blazing. Too bad the doll will pay for her pride with her life and your friend's money. Kyrie raised the Oathkeeper and let loose a cry of anger as she charged Rufio. He raised his gleaming bronze sword to block her downward slash, and but he could not attack Kyrie afterwards, as she instantly returned with a lunge to his side. Rufio quickly realized that his taunting had awakened a sleeping giantess, but she was not happy. Don't ever, Kyrie huffed, each word ending with a clang of keyblade on sword from her powerful blows. Call me doll. With her final word, she swung the Oathkeeper right at Rufio's vertical sword in a horizontal slash, knocking it out of his hands and embedding it, in a, embedding it a foot into a wall ten feet away. Kari pointed her keyblade at Rufio's chin as she, as she looked from her, to his, from her to his hand to his sword, completely in shock. Max stopped his watch 14 seconds. With a sigh, he collected the Lost Boy's money and placed it in one of Sora's money bags. Kyrie grinned and ran, and, and ran a hand through her hair. 
Don't mess with a princess, she scolded before turning around and walking back toward to Sora, if swearing. Sora was standing with arms crossed, smiling at Kairi, but she, uh, as she approached, he unfolded his arms and wrapped them around her bare lower back as she placed hers around his back and shoulders. They drew their heads together, grinning madly at her success before closing the gap and sharing a passionate kiss. They did not hear the Lost Boys ewing in disgust to see, Ma see Max's head shaking or Peter turning around so he could, wouldn't see them. Slowly they broke to each other's starry blue eyes. I love you, Sora whispered, and Kyrie nestled into the crook of his shoulder. I know, she replied. Rufio looked at the two lovebirds in disgust. You see that, boys? He said, motioning with his arm. This is why we don't let girls in here. Give them to the Indians, because we don't need people falling in love. Sora looked strangely at him. That's the biggest mistake of your lives, then, he said, glancing at Kyrie. Love he explained, is the most beautiful thing and most precious thing in all the worlds. You can't say you've had a full life when your time is done if you've never loved another more than yourself. For one thing, in life, lo matters is love, and is worth, and it's worth fighting for. The few lost boys who were on Peter's side seemed moved by his words, yet Rufio and many of those on his side were unmoved. Peter loves his children with all his hearts, Carrie pleaded, remembering he was there. We need him we need to get get him ready to face Hook and win them back. You gonna follow that drooler? Rufio spat. Against Captain Hook? What's he go what's he going what's he doing here if he's not Peter Pan, huh? The little boy who stayed with Peter retaliated. He don't look happy here. And who are them kids Hook's got? Give him a chance. Those are my kids, Peter said quietly, standing up. And Hook's going to kill them if we don't do something. Peter looked pleadingly at the Lost Boys. Help me, please. Yeah, come on, give him a chance, Tink yelled. Rufio slowly nodded, glancing at Kyrie. All right, he said warily. We'll give you one chance, but if you ain't pan in three days, we won't fight. He turned to Sora. One more thing, your girl can't stay. Sora's eyes blazed as the oblivion appeared in his right hand. You want another round? Sora asked maliciously. Rufio eyed Sora's keyblade warily. No, he answered shakily. Sora smirked. Then Kyrie stays, he warned, or else you wouldn't have just me on your case. Rufio shifted uncomfortably at Sora's words. Fine, he said quickly, but he pointed his finger at the two. But no mushy stuff. Kyrie nodded. Agreed, she replied icily. Rufio nodded and then flashed around to address his men. Lost boys, he yelled. Get that fat piece of slime in shape. Bangarang, they yelled in reply before pulling Peter away. Those who were on Peter's side quickly went up to Sora and Kyrie to introduce themselves. My name is Thudbutt, the overweight child said, extending his hand. I'm Pockets, the little boy said. Don't ask, the sleek black-haired kid wearing plaid tweeds said. Ace, the curly ginger hair added. I'm too small, the curly black-haired said. Sora, Kyrie, and Max smiled at them. I'm Sora, Sora said, introducing his party like days of old. This is Kyrie, and that's Max. Kyrie knelt, her, knelt down to the Lost Boys. It's nice to meet all you all, all of you. 
she said warmly. Too small looked at her. Are you going to be our new mother, Kyrie? He asked. Her eyes widened and she looked around a little. Your mother? She choked out. Why would I be your new mother? Well, don't ask, said. Wendy was our last mother, and you're the first girl here since Wendy, so... Carrie sa sadly shook her head. No, I'm not going to be your new mother, she said. We're really just here to get Peter's children back, then we're leaving again. The boys' faces became a downcast for a moment before they brightened up again. Oh well, Thud said. My happy thought is my own mother anyway. He said he and the others walked away, and Tink flew up to the trail. I think it would be best for Peter's memory if only the lost boys trained him, she said. So what are you going to do? Carrie answered before Sora and Max could say anything. Well, she said, taking each item off her finger, off on her fingers. Sora was instructing, instructed by Merlin to teach me magic. Namine needs to be taught how to fight. Max also needs to, needs to learn how to fly. She paused and turned to her companions. Anything else? Sora and Max nodded, shook their heads. Don't think so, said Sora. Tink died before flying off. Good luck, then, she called. Roxas and Namine appeared in a flash. Namine was holding Island's fire, its Paupu keychain dangling from the hilt. Roxas was holding a silver keyblade with a golden guard that had a key that had a cutout of Sora's crown in it. I'll Namine. He announced, swinging the key kingdom key in front of him. Sora and Kyrie grinned. Why are we not surprised? Sora said. I don't know, Nami replied. She swiftly grabbed Roxas's free hand and ran away with him in tow. Maxis ran after them. Hey, wait up, he called. I'll learn how to fly later. I can use some practice right now. Roxas looked behind him to see Max chasing after, the him, after them. He sighed and turned to Nami, who was still leading him on. Looks like we don't get any alone time, Nam. He muttered. She sighed as she came to a stop, her blonde hair swaying. Oh well, she pouted. At least we're together. Max ran up, panting. Man, he gasped. You guys are fast. Max just chuckled at him. Thanks, he said before turning to Namine. Okay, let's get to training. She nodded her head and raised Alan's fire. Right, she explained. There's a big battle coming up, and I don't want to be left out. Max drew his sword from his sheath. Let's do it, then. He said, facing Roxas. Roxas turned his head to Namine while Max sized him up. Namine. He instructed, watch us, watch, us for a minute. watch us for a few minutes, then we'll practice. Namine nodded her head, eyes set. Roxas turned to Max, who nodded his head. Roxas began with a roar and a vertical slice at Max, who blocked with the defender. Roxas lifted his keyblade off and off of Max's sword who, and quickly tried a horizontal swipe from his left. Max leaping back, he charged at, he charged Max and drew a diagonal slash down from the right. Max walked it with his sword and aggressively thrust at Roxas's midriff. Lunging forward, Roxas barely sidestepped it in time and twirling around hit Max's exposed back with his keyblade. Max grunted in pain and defeat. He turned to face Roxas. Okay, he said, raising his sword. Score is one nil for you. Time. Oh, wait, this was Roxas. No, this was Max talking. Oh. Time for round two. Roxas grinned and nodded his head, getting himself 
in the fighting stance with the kingdom key behind his back. Now I'm going to get fancy with you. Roxas said as he began twirling his keyblade above his head. Max's eyes widened and he charged him down, throwing an uppercut. Max stopped twirling the keyblade above his head and a sm as he began twirling his Max's eyes widened as he charged him down, throwing an uppercut. Max Roxas stopped twirling the keyblade above his head with a smirk and threw it down at Max's raised blade. With a resounding clang, the kingdom key glanced off the defender and Max slipped past under Roxas slipped past Max under his arm. He deftly sliced at Roxas's back and as he ran past the silver blade clean singing through the air before it made contact with the crimson tip of Island's fire inches from Roxas's back. Domine huffed at Max and threw him backwards with her keyblade. With a cry, she executed a horizontal swipe at Max's midriff. Max converted his momentum into a roll and to avoid the strike upon his ribs. Staying crouched, he raised the flat of his sword to block Nominee's falling keyblade. Max strained slightly at the force Nominee was using to try and keep him hunkered down while he devised a strategy. While he held off Nominee's keyblade, Max slowly moved his left arm and behind her legs without missing Max. He quickly got to his feet and placed his sword tip over her neck before howling in pain oh, and falling. Huh? What? It was Max slowly moved his left arm behind her legs without nominee noticing. You, oh. you skipped a line. Oh, whoops. I'll just go back. Max slowly moved his left arm behind her legs without nominee noticing. Once in position, Max thrust his left arm forwards, crashing it into the back of nominee's kneecaps. She let out a startled cry as she fell to the ground, barely missing Max. He got quickly to his feet and placed his sword tip over her neck before howling in pain and falling to his knees as Roxas attacked his back with the kingdom key. Again, crunching, Max raised his head as Roxas was helping nominee up. Okay, Max croaked. Too no for you, except you had help this time. Roxas looked at him and grinned, shrugging his shoulders. Nominee smiled at the two of them. Would you like help this time, Max? She asked sincerely. Roxas raised his eyebrows as he thought of something to even the odds. If it's going to be two on one... He said deviously. I get to use both my keyblades. Max looked, hor Max looked horrified at the idea. If you use both of them, he stated, I'll be going to sleep tonight with only a few cuts and bruises. I'll be sleeping in pieces. Max nominee placed a hand over her mouth to stifle a few giggles as she went to stand beside Max. Roxas sighed and shrugged his shoulders. Fine, he said. I'll stick with the kingdom key, but you still won't win. Your overconfidence gives you str is your weakness, Max taunted. Your faith in your friends is yours. Axis retaliated. The two si the two sides raised their weapons, silently taunting each other for a moment, before flying straight at each other. Roxas blocking both attacks against him with a key gun key and performing a backflip. Deftly, Roxas twitched his neck as he continually backed away under Max and Nominee's barrage, parrying and dodging attacks, never getting a chance to strike. Seeing an attack coming, he swiftly raised his keyblade to parry Nominee's downward slash and stopped backing up for a moment in retaliation for the attack on the on his person. 
He stepped forwards and slashed at Nominate's midriff. And Max saw his opportunity, and as Roxas slashed, Max stepped in from the right side and whacked Roxas across the ribs with the flat of his blade. He didn't want to kill Roxas, after all. His foe grunted in pain at the strike and lowered his weapon, wincing and rubbing his ribs from the attack. Okay. Okay. Roxas said slowly. He, he released his hold on the kingdom key and became an apparition again. Two to one for me, but now... He suddenly smirked wildly as he became formidable again, wielding both the Oathkeeper and the Oblivion in his hands. We play by my rules. Nominate gulped as she looked at her boyfriend. Max, she squeaked, glancing at him. She was... She was... She saw he was stealing a glance at her, too, and she continued. We're screwed, aren't we? Max gulped as beads of sweat appeared on his brow. Yep, he choked out, nodding his head. Sora and Kyrie were standing on a wooden platform that held several scorch marks, patches of ice, and dripping beams. A panting Kyrie was holding the Oathkeeper in front of her, and the Oblivion was resting at Sora's side as he was taking off his fingers. Okay, he said. We've done fire, blizzard, water, and thunder, so most of the black magic's done. Would you like to learn a white magic spell now? He turned to Kyrie, and she looked at him puzzled. White magic? she asked. Sora nodded. Black magic is the fighting, destructive kind, he explained. White is the protective, healing kind. Although white magic does include the powerful holy spell, which Smerlin used in the Radiant Garden, Kyrie was astounded that such a powerful spell could be classified as white magic, yet she shook it off quickly. I guess cure, she replied after a pause. That way I won't have to rely on potions or others to heal me. Sora nodded slowly. A wise choice, he commented before his face grew grim. I want to warn you, though. The cure spell uses quite a lot of energy to use, and it's best to use a potion first if you have one. I understand, she said. An expected pause occurred between them as they shifted uncomfortably. So, Kari began, unsure of breaking the silence between them. How exactly do I feel healing? Sora barked a laugh. I'm not entirely sure, he said, hanging his head. Too many possibilities in my mind. Laughter is the best medicine, so they say. So humor, humor maybe? Sora grabbed his keyblade and stared at it for a few moments. Kyrie looked at, looked strangely at him as he raised it and placed it against his arm. Sora, she asked hurriedly, what are you? Her Sorian eyes grew wide in shock as Sora cut himself with the oblivion, grunting in pain. He dismissed his keyblade and eyed Kyrie. There, he said somewhat shakily. We have an injury. Try to heal it by thinking of humor. Sora, this isn't a very humorous situation, Kyrie gasped at him. Sora's eyes flashed a little. I had to, he said. Now do it, he ordered in a deep voice. Think of something funny. So he, suddenly, he started chuckling. Think of those goofy yellow tennis shoes I used to wear. Kyrie giggled as she, as she remembered those yellow clown shoes. He used to he used to wear Sora she go those were clown shoes, not tennis shoes. He shrugged his shoulders, smirking. Whatever, he laughed. Kyrie attempted to suppress the giggle fit as she raised the oath keeper at Sora's cut forearm. Cure, she said. Nothing happens. Guess it wasn't humor. Sora sighed. Kyrie began to worry. Sora's cut was bleeding quite fiercely, and if she didn't heal it soon No, she thought. I won't think about that. 
Carrie's eyes perked when Sora began to mutter something. Love's healing embrace, he said, his voice barely audible. Love's healing embrace. So he, suddenly his eyes widened in realization. Of course, he cried aloud. Suddenly he began shaking his head in his hands, chuckling. Why couldn't I figure out I loved you sooner, Kyrie? He asked as he raised his head, eyes shining with tears of mirth. Kyrie's eyes, Kyrie appeared flabbergasted. I, I don't know, Kyrie stuttered. Should I know? Sir shook his head and hanged his head slowly. Because I just realized that every time I cast Cure, I thought of you, he explained joyfully. Don't you see? Love is what you need to feel to heal. Simply love. Carrie's eyes twinkled. Love to feel, love to heal? She asked humorously. Sora, Sora raised his eyebrows. Now you're turning into a riddle, he said weakly due to his chuckling. Now heal me. Carrie giggled and directed her keyblade at his, at his arm again. Cure, she said repeated. Flowing green tendrils crept out of her keyblade and wrapped themselves around Sora's arm, closing the cuts. Sora flexed his arm, pinching it where the cut had been before he noticed Kyrie. She was swaggering on her feet, staying from side to side, holding her head. Rushing to Kyrie's side like a whirlwind, Sora caught her just as she fell. Kyrie looked weakly into his eyes as she propped her head up while, while, while he lay her down. You're right. The cure spell does take a lot out of you. How are you able to cast it without collapsing? Sora smiled at her and took her hand. Lots and lots of practice, he said. They sat in silence for a while as Kyrie slowly regained her strength. As she stood up, they heard a large group of people approaching. Quizzically, the duo peered and saw a few lost boys, Rufio and Tinkerbell, leading a shirtless Peter, who was covered in varying colors of paint, towards a large slingshot who, looking down, Sora saw a large vat of multicolored liquid surrounded by the rest of the boys, who were all holding up signs with various words not entirely spelled correctly. Just happy thoughts, they called. Kari raised her eyebrows as she turned to Sora. They're teaching him how to fly, she said. They nodded, watching soundly. Just one happy thought, Peter. Tink explained. Just one happy thought will make you fly. I got it! Peter explained happily, sitting in the slingshot as Rufio raised his sword to cut the cord. Not being in this slingshot! That would make me very... <laughs> Rufio cut the rope. Happy! Peter rapidly arched off through the sky. He's going up! He's going up! One lost boy commented. Sora's eyes grew wide as, she saw Peter start, as he saw Peter start to fall. Let's catch him, he said, rising into the air after and shooting after Peter. Right, Carrie said, following suit. Peter continued to fall towards the vat, still screaming the end of the word. Happy! He's coming down, Thud yelled. Sora and Carrie raced faster towards the falling Peter. Wait, Too Small cried, pointing. They're going to catch him. Sora and Kyrie stopped a few feet above the multicolored vat of what could be pudding and prepared to catch Peter. He fell straight into their outstretched arms, but his momentum was enough to keep him, or should we say, take both of them into the muck. The Lost Boys and Tinkerbell howled in laughter as the three resurfaced. The teenage show was flying out like bullets before landing on the platform they had previously occupied. 
I so need a shower, Carrie moaned while attempting to get the attempting to get blue whatever it was off her face. Miraculously, her skirt and breastplate again showed no signs of the dip she had just taken. The heart and crown in the center of the white breastplate gleaming in the sunlight. Maybe, maybe that we so need showers, Sora said, wiping some green gunk off his eyes and spiked hair before he moaned. I'm going to need to gel my hair again today. Carrie giggled as she approached Sora. Why would you need to do that? She asked. Isn't it naturally spiky? Sora chuckled quietly. No, he asked. I gel every morning. And how come your clothes aren't dirty and mine are just covered in this gunk? Carrie smirked at him. Because the fairies made mine differently. But ever, but that doesn't stop the stuff from squeezing in underneath. And don't change the subject. She suddenly grabbed his arm and pressed a button on her communicator, beaming them straight into the high, high winds cabin. She quickly gave Sora a chest kiss on the cheek. I would actually like to see what you look without your gel, she commented before slinking off into her old room. Rainbow footprints upon the floor. She licked her lips after the door closed and she began undressing. This stuff tastes, she thought, as she stepped into her bathroom. Good. Later that night, Peter was on the ground in the camp before rubbing his aching shoulders when his nose smelled a delicious feast cooking beneath him. Oh, yeah. He moaned in pleasure. Sora, Kyrie, the nobodies, and Max came up behind him from the shadows. Roxas was only holding the Oathkeeper while Naminé held the Alan's fire. Roxas only had a few cuts on him while Max and Naminé looked as if they'd been through the, run through by a living bone and hurriedly patched up. Sora's long brown hair was parted in front of his face, flowing over his cheeks instead of being spiked up as usual. Carrie was on his arm, giggling madly. Okay, Sora, she gasped. You can keep your hair spiky after tonight. You look better that way. Sora looked affronted at her. You don't like my new hairstyle? He asked incredulously. Roxas placed his hands on his hips and glared at Sora, despite his grin. If, if, you, if your nobody and girlfriend tell you to put your hair back to the way it was... He scoffed. Then do it! You're embarrassing us! Or at least me! Everyone assembled laughter before the company began sniffing the air. Dreamy looks appearing on their face. Come on. Roxas said gleefully to Naminé. As long as we keep our keyblades out, we'll finally be able to eat real food! Naminé's face brightened and as she hurried off after Roxas. Below them, the Lost Boys were, si were setting a long table with streaming pots and pans, delicious scents wafting up from them. Peter took a seat in the middle of the table next to Pockets, while the rest of the group sat at the end. Naminé and Roxas on one side, Max, Sora, and Kyrie on the other. Peter gazed hungrily at the roast pan that was in I was by his face, and the group all hurriedly grabbed their fork and knives. Ginger-haired Ace looked skeptically at them. We don't use those, he told them. The party looked strangely at him. Why do you have them? Peter asked. Ace shrugged his shoulders as Thud came up behind him. We have them so we don't have to use them, Ace explained, sitting on the bench. Thud sat down next to him, and the bench rose, sending half a dozen Lost Boys careening into him. Don't crowd me, he yelled. Kyrie turned to Sora as Lost Boys began yelling at Thud. They may not use them, she said, but for priority's sake, I will. I still will. Sora nodded. I know, I will too, he said. 
Thud and Ace and Don't Ask looked at Carrie. You really are a princess, Thud said. She sh Carrie shrugged her shoulders. Even though I haven't lived as a princess for the last eight years, and I can't remember how I lived before then, she explained. Rufio then, ex Rufio then appeared and sat down next to Thud. He glanced around as all Lost Boys looked expensively at him. Rufio bowed his head, everyone else following suit. Everyone say grace, he commanded. Bless this, O Lord. Peter started, his companions following silently. Grace! Lost Boys roared before diving straight at the containers. Sora, Carrie, Namine, and Max were appalled while Roxas simply chuckled to himself. What the? They gasped quietly. The group suddenly the group noticed something about the feast. There was no food. What the? Roxas steamed, disappointing and fuming. If I knew this was the reception I'd get, I would have been back at Asura's head and started cooking my own supper. He dismissed the oathkeeper he was holding before coming a specter again, and crossed his arms, fuming. Namine followed with a similar pose, eyes blazing, chin pounding. Tinkerbell looked at Peter from the lamp she was in. Eat, she said. Peter looked incredulously at her. What's the deal? He asked. Where's the real food? You can't imagine yourself being Peter Pan. You won't be Peter Pan, she replied. Now eat up. A light bulb suddenly clicked on in Max's head. That's it, he muttered. We can't eat until Peter can. It would make sense. Sir and Carrie nodded. It does make sense, she replied. Namine remained fuming in her seat as her stomach growled. How does, how long will it take then? She asked savagely. Peter continued his argument with Tink. Eat what? There's nothing here. He retorted. Gandhi hate more than this. Don't you remember? Tink asked. This used to be your favorite game. Forget the games. Peter said. I want real food. I want steak. I want some eggs. I want a cup of coffee. Rufio cut him off before Peter could finish his wish list. You can't, he said. Eat your heart out, you crinkled, wrinkled fat bag. Peter's eyes gazed, Peter gazed angrily at the teen in front of him. You're a very ill-mannered young. You slug-eating worm, Rufio spat, cutting Peter off. Sora raised his eyebrows. An insult contest, he whispered before grinning. I've got a good one. Carrie looked at him questioningly before her attention was brought back to Rufio and Peter spat and Peter spat. Punchy sag bottom puke pot, Rufio finished. He was greeted with a bangerang cheer from the Lost Boys. You are a very poor role model for these kids, do you know that? Peter responded. The boys made sounds of a bomb whistle to the ground before making a splat instead of an explosion. I bet you don't have a fourth grade reading level. Pierre continued. Hemorrhoidal suck navel, Rufio spat. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. Consolidated Peter. The lost boys repeated their bomb sound as Sora shook his head. Boiled dripping beef farts, sniffling bubble butts, insulted Rufio, whose insult was once again met by a bangerang. You are a fart factory, he continued. Slug slime sack of rat guts and cat, and cat vomit. Cheesy scab picked, pimple squeezing finger bandage. A week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. 
Wasp boys howled in disgust, and the party scrunched up their faces, apart from Roxas, who was howling in laughter. It had finally seemed, though, that Peter had, had enough taunting as he viciously stood up, glaring at the adolescent adversary. Substitute chemistry teacher, he said. Sora, Carrie, and Max burst out, burst out a chuckle while the Lost Boys stood silent. Mung Tongue, he retorted, lacking a little of his flair his previous insults had. Math tutor, Peter retaliated. His group chuckled a little more while the boys watched silently, their heads flicking between Peter and Rufio like a tennis rally. Pinhead, Rufio said, his edge gone. Prison barber, mother lover, nearsighted gynecologist. Peter answered, Soren Company chuckled at Peter's insult and the insinuation. In your face, camel cake, Rufio countered, not a clue as to what gynecologist was and hoping to regain his momentum. In your rear, cow derriere. Lying, crying, sp spying, frying, ugly, ultra pig, Rufio answered. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude? Peter said quickly. Bang, rang, Peter, Thud yelled. Extending his fist, Rufio was now shaky at, as his opponent was winning. You, he tried again, weakly, desperately, and fruitlessly. You man, stupid, stupid man. Mountainay knelt her head towards Roxas, who was grinning, who was now grinning madly. Rufio's lost it, she giggled. Rufio, if I'm a MAGA burger, why don't you just eat me? Peter yelled. You two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium-brained, munched on your own mucus, suffering from pure parent envy. Lost boys were, well, lost. What's a paramecium brain? Don't ask, asked. I'll tell you what a paramecium is. Peter growled, pointing at Rufio. That's a paramecium. It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Peter sat back down, triumphant. Sora turned to carry dis... Dismally, Peter's got my insult beat, he said. Carol looked at him questioningly. What was it? She laughed. Sora smiled and took on a fake a French accent. I don't want to talk to you no more. An empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fought in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Roxas smirked and spoke up in an English accent. Is there someone else we can talk to? He asked. Sora looked irritably at his nobody. No, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. Uh, he answered, ending with a pronounced sniff. His whole group howled with laughter at what he just said, stopping suddenly when they saw food in front of them. Sora glanced at Peter, whose face was shocked as he stared at the spoon he was holding. It had a multicolored paste on it, the same paste the, that was now plastered on Rufio's face. Roxas's eyes stared at the table hungrily. There were multicolored cakes, cookies and pastries, roast beast, blocks of cheese with hungry blocks of cheese with lost boys' faces on them, fruits and vegetable platters, and dozens of other food matchable. None of them saw Rufio slink away through. Sweet! Rassix exclaimed, pulling the keyblade out and, and sitting on it. Food! Instantaneously, Naminé had followed his example and began piling copious amounts of food on her plate. Quickly, the party ignored all those around them, and as they quickly as they began to eat and drink. Okay, Carrie 
relented, biting into what appeared to be a turkey leg. I won't use cutlery for this. She's suddenly she spied the pudding. Sora, she asked, nudging him with her elbow. She he turned to look at her. His brown hair swaying, a forkful of potatoes halfway into to his mouth. Harry continued pointing at the pudding. Isn't that the same stuff we fell into earlier? Sora looked in his at, in the direction she was pointing and nodded when he saw it. It's edible, he asked. Apparently so, Carrie answered. I thought it tasted earlier while I licked my lips earlier. Suddenly, the whole table around them erupted into a spontaneous food fight. The rainbow mismatch flying in all directions, caking even Tinkerbell. Sora brought his, ar his arm to his lips and began licking the stuff off, eyes widening suddenly as he realized how good it was. He felt his finger scrape across his cheek and... He turned around to see Carrie with her finger in her mouth, eyes glinting mischievously. Sora ran a finger under her chin and brought and brought back to his mouth, grinning. But before they could do anything mushy, as Rufio would call it, they heard Namne shriek in delight. Their heads, turning their heads, they saw their nobodies with their faces together, licking each other's cheeks. Sora and Kyrie turned to each other again in sh shock. They stole our idea. Carrie said, playfully outraged. Just then, Peter leapt up onto the table to throw some of the pudding, only to be pelted by the food the Lost Boys were throwing. Laughing, he could barely hear Rufio's barely audible taunt. Hey, pan the man, he said, holding a coconut. Catch this. Rufio chuckled and chucked the, Peter, the coconut at Peter like a professional pitcher. Peter, watch out, someone yelled, tossing him a sword. Surprisingly, Peter caught it by the hilt as the coconut careened towards him. Peter spun around, cleaving the coconut cleanly in half. When he finished his 360, as, as one half twirled on the table, Peter gazed at, at the sword he was holding. In sounds, a cock crowed, crowed. Startled at his feet, Peter suddenly dropped his sword, eyes wide. Bangarang, Thud whispered. The next afternoon, Sora and Kyrie were again practicing their magic. Sora's hair gratefully spiked once more, this time on the ground above where they had the feast the night before. Tinkerbell told them when they had when they had arrived late in the morning that the boys, lost boys had taken Peter into town in an attempt to get him to crow. Kyrie was learning and increasing in power at an alarming rate, and now was able to cast level 2 black magic in all the elemental areas. Kyrie, Sora began as she executed a perfect reflect spell. I've been thinking. Kyrie lowered her keyblade and turned, giving him a questioning glare. What about? Sora shifted his head to look at her. You're a princess of heart, he began, unsure of his words. So your heart is full of light. It may be possible for you to tap into that and use that light. Like Riku can use the power of darkness. Carrie's eyes widened in understanding. To unlock my true potential? She asked uncertainly. Sora nodded slowly. Carrie closed her eyes and began searching her in herself. Sora looked at her, praying that it might be possible. He spied her keep Oathkeeper with interest. It started to glow with a brilliantly pure and white light. The wind was wrapping through Carrie's hair as she struggled to grasp at the light within her. Her eyes flared open suddenly, light radiating from them for a moment. Light, she cried. A ray of white light was expelled from the Oathkeeper's tip, brightening the area. Sora nearly had to shield his eyes. It was so bright. He let out a laugh of jubilation as Carrie did it. 
You did it, Kyrie, he explained as she grinned at him, pearly white teeth dazzling him. I can't even do that, Sora said quietly to himself in awe. Carrie giggled as she formed a ball of light in her palm, letting it hover an inch off her skin. It's mine now, she said, arching it through the air from one hand to the other with her mind, to use as I will. She telekinetically lifted it over her head and slowly waved her right hand. The ball of light broke into five streams that circled around the two of them. Sora and Kyrie were giggling as they became encircled by Kyrie's light, letting it flash round and round until they leapt into the sky. Forming a sphere again, Kyrie grinned and snapped her fingers as the light dissipated into a mist that spread across the camp and rained down in, twinkling in tiny twinkling stars, finally disappearing as they reached the ground. Max walked up, his eyes filled with wonder as the last of the stars dissipated into the ground. He was holding his sword slightly in his right hand, and there was a blood-stained white cloth wrapped over his left forearm. Sora and Kyrie turned as he approached. What was that? Max asked, pointing to the ground where a star had fallen. Kyrie grinned at him as she formed another sphere in her palm. My light, she answered, allowing Max to look into it, in, into it for a moment before closing her arm on the light, her hand on the light. Max shook his head to try and get the bright circle that was burning his vision to go away. Sora approached him and tugged a little on the cloth on Max's arms. Fox is training you too hard, he asked, raising his eyebrows. Max nodded, and quickly, Sora, Max nodded quickly and Sora sighed. I can't believe he doesn't know the meaning of the word mercy. Oh, he does, Max interjected. It's just that he only shows nominate mercy and not me. The trio laughed a little and Sora healed Max of the wound his nobody gave him. Oh, come on. Sora heard in his head. Go that hard on them. Sora shook his head to himself. Roxas, he thought telepathically. Max is a friend. Friends don't kill each other. Roxas's reply came back slowly. Can't I go just shy of killing them? No, Sora said firmly. What about... No, Sora repeated. Kyra looked at him with a funny look. Were you telling Roxas not to kill our friends just now? She asked. Sora sighed and looked at her. Yeah, he mumbled. But he keeps squirming out, squirming and trying to find a loophole. She, the trio laughed weakly again before Sora turned to Max. So, he began, flying lessons, right? Max nodded his head enthusiastically. Well, since we're in the neighborhood, he began, rubbing the back of his head, I thought I might give it a shot. Sora chuckled and sprinkled some of the pixie dust from his box onto Max. Max coughed as he inhaled a little bit of the golden sand, golden dust. He then turned to look at the two humans in front of him, who started to hover. So, how exactly do you fly? Sora and Kyrie looked at each other, grinning. They both turned to Max. Think of a happy thought, Kyrie said simply. Max closed his eyes and began thinking of what to think about. Many things made him happy. Working with his hands on something mechanical, playing video games, hanging out with his buddies. He opened his eyes again and looked at his feet. They were still on the ground. Max gave a nervous chuckle as he looked up at the two flowing teens. I don't, um, I don't think it's working, he said during his chuckle. The other two just smirked at their blue eyes glinted at him. Think of Roxanne, Sora said while glancing at Kyrie, a warm smile on his face. Max didn't even didn't need to close his eyes to imagine her. He had his, plastered her face on a blank wall in his mind so many times that her image was gravely was graven into him.
Max sighed softly as he thought of her, only to gasp when he noticed his feet were no longer on terra firma. He looked at, he looked back at Sora and Kyrie, stunned. They began laughing at his facial expressions before regaining their dignity. Now, just will yourself to move, Max, Kyrie explained, paraphrasing the explanation that Sora had given her several days ago. And you will. Think about going up, and you will go up, or in any other direction you choose. Max died and began to ascend in a wide helix, eventually shrinking the diameter of the circle until he was rocketing straight upwards. Max let out a laugh of exhilaration as he descended to Sora and Kyrie's level. Now I know why you guys like flying so much, he said breathlessly. Suddenly two keyblades appeared in their hands before of the owners as they glanced at each other, smirking. Max looked uneasily at the keyblade bearing teens in front of him his hand straying to the hilt of his sheathed sword. Before they could begin to teach Max air combat 101, they heard something plop onto the ground beneath them. It was Peter, and they briefly heard him mutter, Gotta fly! In a determined voice, quickly the trio descended as Peter climbed a pile of rocks. One great big happy thought, Peter said before looking down, dropping a couple of rocks. Less is more, he decided uneasily. Peter threw himself over the edge, yelling, I can! Sora wins when Peter landed face first on the dirt. The three of them walked up to Peter as he stood up. Peter looked at them and nodded as they approached. Oh, hey Sora, Kyrie, Max. Trying to find Peter, Kyrie asked sympathetically before or a white leather ball hurled out of the sky, heading straight for Peter's head. Watch out, Sora yelled as Max ran forward and grabbed the ball inches away from contact. Sora, Kyrie, and Max looked in at it inquisitively. They had never seen anything like it before, yet the white made it almost resemble Kyrie's ball of light. Max looked back from the strange ball and tossed it at Peter, who caught it in his hand. What is it? Max asked. Peter raised his eyebrows at the three of them. You've never seen a baseball before? Yes, the three teens in front of him shook their heads. They sh Peter shrugged before explaining. Baseball is a sport we play in America. It's played on a diamond-shaped field of shale and a large swath of grass. The shale is called the infield and the grass is the outfield. There are three bases around the diamond and home plate at the base. A person stands with the ball on a mound in the center of the diamond and pitches it at another team's player at home plate, who then tries to hit the ball with a bat. If he does, or if the pitcher throws four pitches that the batter has no chance of hitting, the batter has to run to first base. If they hit the ball, the team in the field has to try to catch it, or at least get the ball to first base before the runner. If the ball was caught outright, the runner is out. If not, the ball needs to get to the base first. If your team gets three outs, the team switch positions. If the batter gets got a walk, he gets first base free. The runner then has to try and get around the rest of the diamond and back to home plate. If they succeed, their team gets a run. And if the batter hits the ball far enough to get back to home plate before the ball can reach them, it's called a home run, because they ran from home plate back to home plate. If they completely hit the ball out of the park, it's an automatic home run. As he was talking, Peter sat himself down on some rocks near a pool of water, with Sora, Kyrie, and Max sitting down in front of him. My son Jack hit this ball, he continued, from a baseball diamond over in the pirate town. He could never hit a curveball, but he sure surprised me on this one. He got a home run. Peter tossed the ball up in his hand and caught it again, his shadow reflecting the toss without warning. Without warning, Peter's shadow tossed the ball up in the air again. The four of them looked at the shadow, which jerked his head in a direction and flew off. I think it wants us to follow it, 
Max said, getting up. Peter's shadow led them to a tree with vines over the bottom. He motioned Peter to remove the vines to reveal a circular door with names carved into it. Toodles, Peter said, running his fingers over the names. Wendy, John, Michael, Peter. He pushed the door and opened, showing a slide to get down into the tree. The four of them slid down the chute to enter a dismal, dark room. The room was dusty and appeared to have been unused for a long time. Peter stood up and his head on the roof. Careful, Peter, a voice said with a chuckle. You're a lot taller than you used to be. The company peered in the direction of the voice to see Tinkerbell wearing a, per wearing a beautiful pearly silver dress. Like my dress, she said, ruffling it a little. Sora could almost feel his cheeks growing red. If he said yes, Carrie might take offense and, he and think he was flirting with another. If he said no, he would offend Tink. Ah, Roxas said to him, hearing his thoughts. The decisions of the Keyblade Master are ever so challenging. Shut up, Roxas. Sora muted. And aren't you supposed to be training with Namine? Roxas chuckled to him. Well, who's to say we aren't, Sora? Before Sora could respond to Roxas, Peter saved him from responding to Tinkerbell's question. You look beautiful. Peter said in awe. Tink blushed and baffled ruffled her dress. What's the occasion? You are, Tink answered. It's a welcome home party. Home? Carrie asked, looking down at the broken room. This was Peter's home? What happened to make this place look like? Max said, well, this. Hook, Tink replied. He burned it when Peter didn't come back. While she spoke, Peter began looking around the room, stopping at a barrel where he picked up a thimble. Kiss. He said quietly. Wendy, I remember. This is Wendy's house. Noodles and Nibs built it for her. Peter stood and pointed at a rocking chair behind Sora. Wendy used to sit in that chair. He announced. Yes, Ting said in a shallow breath. But it wasn't there. Peter continued gesturing with his hands. It was here, and we all used to sit around and listen while she darned socks and tell us stories. Tink. Peter said, standing up again and striding across the room. Your apartment was right here. Yes, Tink replied. Sora was amazed at just how much Peter remembered now. Little Michael, Peter said, not stopping. Had his Betty basket right here. John, John, Pe John. Peter began looking around, muttering John's name. His hand suddenly touched an object under, under a cloth as he pulled out a teddy bear. Daddy, Peter said quietly, kissing the bear's forehead. My daddy. Mother used to put him in the pram to keep me company. His face glowed in sudden remembrance. I remember my mother. Peter went on to tell them why and how he came to Neverland, eventually up to where he saw a 13-year-old Moira asleep in her bed. Now that's why it's so hard for you to find a happy thought, Peter, Ting said sympathetically. So many sad memories. Peter kissed Teddy's forehead again. Bye, Teddy, he said. Then his eyes grew wide. Not Teddy, he said in realization. Daddy. Daddy! His eyes glazed over as he remembered something in his past. I know, I know now why I left Neverland. I know why I grew up. I wanted to be a father. My Jack. He said. His eyes were getting focused. My happy thought. Peter began laughing as he noticed he was floating several feet above the ground. 
He accidentally dropped Teddy. I lost it. I lost it. He declared. Peter began screaming as he hurled towards the ground. Just hold that happy thought, Peter, Tink yelled. Peter's face screwed up in concentration as he and he stopped, his heels nearly on the dirt. Peter's face beamed in triumph and he flew upwards. Sora felt a grin spread wide on his cheeks. That's the Peter I know, he said before seeing the stunned looks on Max and Carrie's faces. Sora waved his hand at the two. Come on, he yelled. Let's fly with the legend. Carrie and Max suddenly sprang up and nodded at Sora, rising with him. The trio rose through the tree's canopy and marched Peter against the sky. Flying like the wind, they soared straight at Peter, who was now somehow wearing his green tights and flanked him. Peter turned to look at Sora as he flew on his back. Sora! He said in sudden recognition. I remember you now. How are Donald and Goofy doing? Sora chuckled at Peter before answering. They're doing just fine, he said. Right now they're on a mission with the king. Oh, and in case you forgot, this is Goofy's son, Max. Sora motioned with his arm at the figure in the center rear. He then waved his arm at Kyrie, who was on Peter's left. And you may or may not remember Kyrie. Peter nodded at Kyrie and bowed his head. I'm sorry for not staying to help rescue you, Kyrie. Peter apologized. But I was a little concerned on saving Wendy. Concentrated on saving Wendy. Kyrie giggled at him as they flew through the Lost Boys camp, showing off. Don't worry about it, Kyrie said. I'm fine now. The foursome flew into the skateboard basketball place where the gang had kept Rufio from hurting Peter. A crowd of lost boys had assembled there, following from following the flying figures. The crowd suddenly parted as Rufio appeared, carrying a bronze sword with a coconut guard. The teen stood facing Peter for a moment before dropping to his knees, holding the sword in front of Pan in front of him. You are the Pan, Rufio acknowledged weakly. Peter stepped forward and took his sword from Rufio. He drew a line in the dirt. Every lost boy crossed to Peter's side, leaving Rufio alone. As he got to his feet, You can fly, the boy said, began in admiration. You can flight. You can. Peter suddenly crowed like a rooster. Crow. The lost boys, Rufio and Peter, began celebrating as Roxas and Naminé walked in to see what all the commotion was about. Seeing the scene, Roxas grinned and called out to the crowd. Prepare for battle, boys! Roxas announced, waving the kingdom key in front of him. Tomorrow we march on hook! Peter and Rufio and the Lost Boys all shouted in one loud, booming voice. No more hook! Throwing the party, nodded their heads. We'll all be ready, Sora declared as Roxas and Nominee began became this. As one, he, Kyrie, and Max beamed up, back up to the ship. Before they could separate ways, Sora grabbed Kairi by the arm and began and began and and spun her around as Max walked to the simulator. Sora, what? She asked playfully, not expecting it or what Sora was about to say. You mentioned earlier that you'd like to be a mom someday, Kairi. Sora began. Kairi froze and nodded her head nervously. Yes, she said shakily. Smile, Sora smiled comfortingly at her, knowing what she was probably thinking, yet he wasn't thinking the same thing. He didn't want to he didn't want to do that anytime soon. I'd like to be a dad eventually too, he said quietly before chuckling at Carrie's still nervous face. And by eventually, he added, I mean in a far time in a time farther I mean in a time far longer than nine months. Carrie finally smiled warmly at Sora, seeing him plain. 
Harry, she brought her mouth towards Sora and Sora's, and they kissed briefly. You were scaring me for a moment, Sora. She began. She said, but then she added playfully, "I suppose a lazy bum would be too lazy to do it right now." Sora chuckled at the nickname she had given him. Don't worry, she said. He said quietly, kissing her again. I don't want my. I want to unless my angel is ready. Harry cocked her head at him. Angel? She asked, a halo of light forming over her head. Sora laughed at her antics. Well, I can't call you princess, can I? And that was chapter 12, The Training of Peter Pan. I'd like to thank the author of this story, Shirefolk, for uh, voicing both Peter and Roxas. Would you like to say anything? Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. So if you would also like to voice any characters in the story, then find then feel free to find me on Twitter at AnimeGuy1 or on Skype at AnimeGuyKurosaki1. Would you like to take the honors of saying the final words? Sure. May the grace of the valor protect you. See ya. Okay. There's the end. Marking the time now. Now that